Welcome to Gig Gab Podcast, Episode 6, for Monday, March 16th, 2015, here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And Los Gatos, California, Paul Kent. How goes it, Paul, on this fine Monday of, uh, of March? Good. I had, a, I had a good gig this weekend. Did you play? I played a ton. Yeah, I had all, I had all kinds of stuff going on, actually, this weekend, musically speaking. So uh, what, what did you do? We had a, we have like a club that is a regular home club in this area here. We can do it almost whenever we want, but we're on a kind of a once a month now. And, uh, we had decent crowd, a little slow coming in. It was like, I'm sorry, man. It was like 85 degrees out here. It was ridiculously nice. <laughs> it was like people were going to the beach. And so that's great. This club, we play a seven 30 to 10 30. And then the DJ comes in at 10 30 and I'll get to you. It's kind of cool, you know, because uh, to play that early thing in the winter, you know, if it's dark out in the summer when we play it and it's light out until, you know, 830, you know, nobody comes early. So, so that's just doesn't work out. But, but uh, it's a funny club because we play classic rock, classic funk soul, and uh, we have kind of our crowd. And then around 10 o'clock, the younger crowd starts coming in for the DJ at night. And there's that slight crossover of time where nobody knows what to do with each other. Yeah. Like you got this mix of people in the room and uh, it's kind of cool because, you know, then often if it's a really good night, people will stay for the DJ and, sure. you know, and we get exposed to like a new audience, which is kind of fun. But um, yeah, we played, we um, continuing to roll out this new music that we've been working on. So that's what we do in the winter is like we rehearse and discover new music and we were slowly work it out and test it out. We've got five or six new songs that we put in. And uh, then we rotate. Yeah. And then we rotate the other stuff. It was a good gig. There was definitely, we had one moment where in the set list, you know, I write the set list. um, There was a transition between two songs that we hadn't rehearsed how one song goes into the other song. And we had a moment that caused some, uh, let's just say tension. Sure. Um, when we were trying to figure out, you know, who, wh- where, where was the count off that there used to be, or what was that? What did you try to improvise? And isn't that the thing, you know, wh- when you get in your head, things invariably go wrong, right? So if you have to think you're dead. Oh, well, you know, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite phrases in the world is one that, that, um, Jaco Pastorius, the, the bass player uttered to a young Peter Erskine as he was coming on the gig, I believe with weather report, and it was, oh man, hey, don't think, just concentrate. <laughs> easier said than done, but it's, I mean, but he's totally right, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we hit this spot, and it was it was two songs that we never, I had never put back to back before, and, uh, you know, one member of the band intuitively tried to start the next song the way he thought was right. Another member of the band didn't catch it and tried to do what he thought was right, and it just created a moment of uh, and just you know reminder: don't take anything for granted. Walk your band through your set list if there's something different with it. Talk about the transitions between songs. You know, if if you have to think, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. You know, the thing is, I I like those moments on stage because it forces everybody out of their comfort zone, right? For and and you've got to listen and pay attention and. And, and it, I mean, it can be, it can be a mess or it can be a wonderful little kind of like, wow, that, that was awesome. So I, I look forward to those, even though they're, they're, I, I look forward to those because they're unknowns. So, you know, when they work out, you're yeah, a genius. That's and right. When they don't work out. You're at each other, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
<laughs> but good, good gig. I'd say a solid seven and a half to eight. Huh. Uh, we played pretty well. The new stuff is starting to really click with people. I tell you, we are playing um, uptight by Stevie wonder. Oh yeah, man. Such a great song. You know, our, my keyboard player sings the crap out of it. The, the vibe. And when that five piece horn section plays that riff, it really just raises the roof. I'm just loving playing that song. Although I will have to say, I actually have tried to play tambourine on that thing. Quarter notes. I feel like my arm is going to fall off. Yeah. It is not easy to hold a tambourine rhythm through a whole song. Tambourine is one of the hardest things to play. And I've seen people pick it up like in the studio, like, oh, we need tambourine on the chorus of this tune. I'll play it. I'll play it. It's like, <laughs> uh-huh. Sure you will. You know, the hardest thing to do in the studio brings this out more than live because live you can sort of sl- slip your way in. The hardest thing to do is hit the first note on the tambourine in time. It's right. really hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's but uh, it's just an endurance thing, right? Yeah, so totally. you know, that song is a pretty brisk pace, and so I start at quarter notes just to kind of help the groove set. But as soon as the singing starts, I'm just easing back. <laughs> I'm me and the drummer hitting that snare drum. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so um, we had our our biennial, I believe that's the right word, gig that we do for, or that we've done the last, uh, well, the last three times, so the last six years for the, it was a fundraiser. The local middle school jazz band every other year goes to Disney World uh, to play, which is cool. And my uh, my daughter went last year and my son will go uh, this year with the band. But um, even when I didn't have kids in the band, we played at their, their fundraiser. They do a silent auction and the, the, Jazz band plays. Now they, I call them a jazz band. They've actually transitioned the name into studio orchestra. Two years ago, this band had 118 kids in it. Yeah. This year it's 80, uh, which is still, you know, massive, Uh, but they do, they do great stuff. I mean, they're, you know, they're kind of all over the map. They do some Stevie wonder tunes. They do some, some, uh, you know, traditional stuff and they, they were playing Birdland. So, I mean, they're, you know, everywhere in between, and uh, and they put this event together and they have a, a silent auction and they've got a little couple of things that they live auction off. And it's just, you know, to raise money to uh, basically offset the cost for uh, for the kids to go to to Disney World. At the end of the auction, they've uh, the last three times they've invited my band fling to play as as kind of the cap on the on the evening. And the to me, the best and it and it went well this time we um, they, they hold it at the University of New Hampshire. And uh, and this time we offered to do the sound and everything for them in the past. They've they've contracted that out and we've just kind of come in and played. But it was a really hefty bill for them to do the to, to do the sound. So we offered to do it, which adds more of a headache than, you know, well, you know how it is. Right. I mean, you, you, you know, it's one one more thing to worry about, but it worked out fine. Um, and we're really comfortable doing our own sound. We feel better when we play with it. So it was, it was fine. I mean, I'm used to doing, I do the sound for the jazz band anyway. So it, it made, it made sense. But, um, you know, the best part of the night for us is we play the, the kids, the kids come, they show up, they play, uh, at the beginning with the jazz band. Then they're all taken to like, go watch, uh, you know, some magician do something and eat pizza while the parents drink and, and spend money on the auction. And then they bring the kids back. And uh, usually that happens about halfway through the fling set. And so parents are kind of up and, you know, grooving along. But when the kids come back in the room, that's when the party starts and it's parents and kids having fun together. And it's, it's awesome. Um, This time the schedule was a little bit weird and things got a little funky. So we didn't have quite as much time with the kids and the parents together. But, um, but the time that we did have with them was awesome. It was a, it was a good, a good little show. 
Very cool. Yeah, we had. So, you know, it was it was a weird thing. It's always a weird thing dealing with UNH, their their events department. You know, you you well, you know, events and, and we've put on events together and we've done Cirque du Mac yeah. and we've we've all played at events. The UNH thing, it's just it's weird. It's not like any other events thing. It's you don't get that warm, fuzzy feeling about about, you know, you're the customer and we want to make you and your guests all happy. But um, so we we had three rooms and one of the rooms, the room and they they all kind of eventually stitched together, but they had partitions up. And uh, the room that the band set up in was the, the room we had access to the latest. And so that meant we kind of got our equipment there. We staged it. And then as soon as the doors were, you know, as soon as the, that room was clear, we, we moved in and, and did it. But it, um, you know, there was another event in there before us and those people had to get cleared out. And it really was like, I'm sure. Well, I don't know if you do this with your band because you've got such a big band. But do you ever play in a, in a club where up until about an hour before you play, the area where you're playing is... Um, you know, used for as a restaurant, right. For dining and they, and they have to clear tables and all that. Do you ever have to deal with that? Or is your band too big to even consider dealing with it, with that kind of a thing in a club? No, no, no. We have, we have, uh, uh different places we play, uh, you know, the, ah, the place you saw us play over in Santa Cruz, the Crows. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's a restaurant. Yeah. You can't make a noise until it's time to make a noise and, you know, don't bother the diners and that type of thing. But yeah, so it was, we kind of had to deal, it was that same vibe of, okay, well, you know, you've got diners in here, but in 20 minutes you want us to start playing and there's somebody eating dinner where my drums need to be set up, you know? So, so, you know, it's that kind of your call, but I, you know, I can't just magically put the stuff there. So we're going to have to work this out. So there was a little bit of that, but it's fine. You know, you, you get used to it. I've, I've found in situations like that, the, um, the best thing to do is to, instead of pushing people out of the way and telling them, I start asking questions. It's like, Hey, do you think it'd be cool if I just started setting this up here? And, and eventually people start to kind of get the hint and, and move on their own. And that way you're not really like shoving it down their throat. And yet you're still getting things done in the time you have to get it done. But um, yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, that went well. And then yesterday, uh, we had, it was an event that was supposed to happen about two weeks ago, but, uh, you know, we've had blizzard after blizzard here. So things kept getting postponed. It's an event that a friend of mine puts on called teens rock. And he's done it every year for the last three years. He gets five, uh, bands with kids running, uh, ages 12 to 18. And they all, uh, set up and play. Uh, we, we set up a back line for him. We do it at this big, um, it's a place it's, it's in a town called Rochester, New Hampshire. So it's at the Rochester Opera House. Big room, really, really nice stage. And uh, and so we had five bands. Each band played uh, 20 minutes. And we make the changeovers. The changeovers take less than four minutes a band. We just keep oh. them rolling. Oh, it's, but it's great. They all use the same drum set. We have four of us on stage that can kind of help facilitate plugging into amps. They all use the same back line. And, um, and the kids played so well. I oh, mean, it's great. Oh yeah. It's, it, it's a, you know, it's a labor of love. Obviously we, no, nobody's the kids win some prizes. The the top band won uh, some studio time we had a, each band had to play an original tune and then they could play covers or, you know, do whatever they wanted. Actually, they don't have to play an original tune, but one of the big prizes was four hours of studio time to record a tune. And in order to qualify for that, you had to play an original. So these, well, that's cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. And then I ran from that, uh, and played through the first night of tech week for this uh, musical that opens up on Friday night that I'm doing. That you hate. Um, you know, I'm coming around with it. 
I'm I I've, I've decided to be Mr. Positive on this one because I have to be, you know, it's a good outlook on life. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm doing it right. So if I'm in, I'm in and that's how it's going to have to be. So, good. yeah, it went it went OK. It was, um, yeah, you know, there's always little th- things, but it's fine. I let, it, right, roll. So I got I let it roll off my knife. Go ahead. Tell me about the best cover band, whatever criteria you want to use for it that you've seen and what made them the best cover man you've ever seen? Well, I mean, if you've seen Joe Cocker live, that's, that kind of takes the cake, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Work with me here. I'm, I am. And I've just figured we we, let's, let's punch that particular ticket and move it out of the way. Right. (laughs) Because he was right. Um, The best honest to goodness cover band. Um, yeah, there's a band I used to see down in Stanford, Connecticut that really impressed me. I mean, they would fill a, you know, thousand person room pretty regularly. Wow. Yep. They they only they were um I mean, I was in my 20s when when I was aware of these guys. And 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 it's weird. I I used to see them a bunch and now I can't remember their name. Um they weren't the, it wasn't the fools. They were here in Boston. Um this was down in Stanford. Anyway, it, it might come to me. But um but these guys, they, they knew what they were doing. They put a good show together. They had lights. They had, um, you know, they, they really tight. It was just a, I don't even think they had horns. I think it was just, you know, a five piece kind of thing that really charismatic lead singer. And, uh, and they were up there and they put on a show of fun, right? They were, that was all, they just poured that out and they only did it once every six weeks. They only ever played this one club. They weren't interested in, they just did it because they did it. I think they were, you know, professionals, you know, they, they, whether they were doctors or lawyers or whatever, you know, but they, this was not their main thing. And this was just what they did once every six weeks. And they'd pack this place and sell tickets. And it was a blast. Now I'm fascinated by this though. Seriously, thousand people would come um, maybe 800, but yeah, it was a big room. Yeah. All right. So let's think about this for a little bit. That's like, there's not a lot of cover bands that are going to draw 800 people regularly. Right. So, I know. Yeah. Did did they did they come from humble beginnings and and get better over time? Was it, like what was the tipping point that you think if you followed them, how they get to that level of uh, of commitment from a fan base? I never saw. I only started seeing them when they were at that level. So I I don't know how they got there, and I never actually got to know the guys. But um, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how you do that. I I always felt like they had a relationship with the club and I mean, this was a, this was a place that was known for live music and they would always give this band, you know, the best night of, uh, you know, of any, any given stretch of dates, they, they would, you know, it was always very strategically picked, you know, they never put them on like the, you know, Saturday night of a Labor Day weekend or, yeah, you know, yeah. the night before Easter, right. That kind of, those dates were not even part of the discussion. They'd always slot them. Well, it, it felt like that this was a partnership between the club and the band, to put it together. It felt like the guys in the band were really savvy marketers and knew what they were doing. Um, and just applied that skill to this, but the band put on, they delivered the goods. So they, yeah. they classic rock. Yeah. Classic. I mean, they were playing some 80 stuff and, and, and some classic rock. It was general business tunes, you know, but really high energy all the way through the set. And were they, Great technicians were they unusually good musicians? Not unusually, no. They were tight as a band. They they clearly rehearsed. There were no. It didn't feel like there were ever any audibles. Right. This was a show that they put together, start to finish, 
and um, and they'd probably get together, you know, a couple of times in between gigs and tweak things a little bit. But everybody showed up. My guess is everybody showed up knowing exactly how the show was going to go that night. Yeah, yeah. So but again, the show counts is the message there, right? Like, yeah, totally. You know, you don't have to be Jeff Beck. Nope. But if you have your deal together and your whole band is on the same page and you're delivering an entertainment value, you can make your mark is kind of the message there, right? Totally. Yeah. And it's a shame. I can't remember the name, but you know, whatever it was 20 years ago, who cares? Well, I'll tell you similar out here, probably the most famous cover band in the South Bay area, you know, in the San Francisco Bay area. So this is the San Jose Silicon Valley area. There's a guy named Joe Sherino and Joe uh, made his uh, start uh, doing acoustic shows in the seventies at, at bars, fern bars and these types of things. And he was very, he's a talented guy. He's got a nice voice. He's got a, you know, very, very smooth guitar player and a really, really charming entertainer, really great connection with his audiences. And, um, you know, his legend began to grow Mm -hmm. and the lines to get in to see him do his acoustic shows, uh, went around the, around the block, mostly young women at the time. And he built the beginnings of a fan base that then when he formed his band and, and he's been performing with his band since the seventies, he actually, believe it or not, I mean, he, he, so I'm saying I'm from Silicon Valley. He opened the us festival because he had a relationship with Steve Wozniak. Wow. 200,000 people. Yeah, That's a, that's a good, that's a good gig. Yeah. That's a good gig. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been going on, you know, forever. He's a very savvy businessman. He's made a life in music playing mostly cover music. And, um, He's still, you know, he's got his band. He's got the, you know, the best players in the area play with him because it's a good payday. And, you know, I, I, I'm assuming he's every time I've interact, interacted with him, he's seen like a very, very nice man. He's very, very savvy about that. This is his his living. He doesn't discount his pricing. As far as I understand, he holds to a high value. He has a draw that he built back in those days as a solo acoustic guy. Very loyal fan base. And, you know, the thing is, he's a great lesson to me because he means something to his audience still to this day. He's got those same women who were in their twenties lining up around the block on a, on a Wednesday night, you know, to, to see him do acoustic music are the same women who bring out their families now and still appreciate the, the, uh, the entertainment, the memories, um, the moments that he gives them. And it's very inspiring. You know, I, I don't do what he does in terms of the way I approach music, but he's great at what he does. And at the end of the day, if you want to, if you want to judge a musician, does he mean something to people is not a bad litmus test yeah. for uh, figuring out if you've done it right. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, it, right. If you can give people an emotional experience, hopefully a positive one, but <laughs> preferably a positive. One. Well, yeah, but, but if, you know, it, if, if you can give people the emotional experience you intended to give them, that's, that's the trick, right? Because yeah, there are some I, singers that don't, necessarily i mean you know if they're singing sappy songs or whatever it could be a you know a, a less than positive i mean less than happy experience but yet still that's the goal right and and that's that's okay i think you know what transcends is this concept of truth and maybe this yeah. is you know a, a broader thing about any art if you are committed to communicating a truth that is what art is and you know whether I, i've said this to you before Playing cover music is our art, right? It's not original music, but it's still the transference of a, of a creative expression. And if there's truth in it, you're probably on the right track. Yeah. You're playing music. Yeah. It, it, I'm totally with you. And I, it, it frustrates me when I see a band or play with somebody that, that holds back um, when or they're poses. playing. What's that? 
or poses. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. that. Yeah. A lot of that. There's a lot of that. I'd, I'd actually rather have that though, than somebody who puts up a wall and is afraid to, and just let it out. Well, one, one is boring. Right. And the other, the other is disingenuous. So sure. pick your poison. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But disingenuous can at least be entertaining sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> There's in a spite of itself in spite of itself. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd rather have a, you know, I'd rather have a lead singer or a lead guitar player that overdoes it as opposed to underdoes it. I mean, you, you gotta, a- you gotta tweak either one of those, but uh, you know, it's easier. I don't know. Well, I, I was telling you about this, I think, in episode one or two that, you know, um, there, I saw a band that if you closed your eyes, you would think they're awesome. But when you open your eyes, four of the guys in the band were what you were saying before, holding back, mm-hmm. playing technically right. Again, if you close your eyes, you'd be fine. But they weren't dressed terribly appropriate, you know, yeah. and they were clearly not comfortable as performers. And then the lead singer was the other way. So the lead singer was, you know, a guy in his mid forties to mid fifties, somewhere in there, not in great shape, a lot of leather involved. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it came off a little bit the other way, especially with the contrast of the band that he had behind him. Right. 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 And, and so they had, they had both things going, you know, they had the posing, (laughs) the posing and the the disinterested. So, Double women. But if you close your eyes, it was pretty good. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's that should should be their marketing slogan. Close your eyes. It's pretty good. Yeah. Close your eyes. Keep drinking. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's an interesting thing, right? Trying to, I mean, you, when I hit the stage, I mean, and you and I've been on stage together. um, And I think we both kind of approach it the same way. It's like, you know, I'm going to leave it all on the stage. I'm not going to be go overboard intentionally, but if I'm having, fun and and hopefully i'm having fun and that pours out of me right i mean that the goal is to just let that happen um and that's the truth that's the right that's the truth right but sometimes you got to jump start that fun a little bit right you you know you you've got to say sometimes you hit the stage and you put the smile on your face and and because it is up to you on stage to start the exchange of energy with the crowd you can't wait for them Right. You, you have to initiate it. I mean, sometimes you get lucky, <laughs> but not usually yeah, sometimes from downbeat. It's going, I'll say this. <clears throat> I find that um, when you come to that point, you know, you're three, four songs in and it's a slow starting night. I actually wait for it to wash over me and just let the band and the music take care of stuff. Yeah. That is a very holistic way to live a musical life. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not coerced, but there's a lot of prayer involved, you know, come on, you know, let the band do what it's supposed to do. Yep. And then, and then, and then everything will take care of itself from there. That rarely fails me. Fortunately, not always. I mean, there certainly have been some, some, some downer nights, right. Where we just couldn't get the, the audience going. And I take those very, very hard. Like we didn't do our job, but, uh, they're, they're a little fewer and farther between as we get better at this thing. And, um, Usually I can trust that uh, I, I enjoy my band so much that if it's not happening out there yet, I'm just going to let what happens happens. Just enjoy the gig with my band. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a mental exercise for how you get through that, that barrier when it's not awesome from downbeat. 
Well, it, it I mean, seems to work. You said it though. It, I mean, it, it's not disingenuous, but you, there, there is that joy that starts with you right on the stage because you're, you enjoy playing with each other. Right. And yes, and you can find something, you know, maybe somebody sings a harmony that like, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, that was awesome. Right. You know, yep. or, or there's yep. a little groove happening somewhere. It's like, Oh yeah, that's it. And, and it, you just, to me, I, I take those moments and it's, I mean, it's like starting a fire, right? You know, you fan that one flame a little bit, you know, and you, you, you make more of it than it could be made. Right. You're well, like, if, oh, if yeah, the that's music it. isn't moving you, why the hell would it be moving anybody else? That's right? it. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to, you know, to let that show. In fact, I think it's important to let that show. Uh, I told this joke once uh, at a gig about how, <laughs> how uh, Jerry Seinfeld always says in his routine, he says, you know, men, boys grow up thinking about becoming Superman or Batman. These are not fantasies. These are options. <laughs> That's kind of what playing music and, you know, the music of your stars, you know, you, the, 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 the enjoyment, the enjoyment of channeling what it felt like to listen to this, these songs through headphones when you're 15, 16 years old, it still has the same effect. It, you know, it maybe even more now. Right. Right. It was, right. And you got to let that win the day. And that, that seems to always be the best medicine. Yeah. Yeah, it totally is. Right. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, it, it, even if no one's there, you get to play music with your friends or you get yeah. to play or you're playing music with people you don't know. I mean, it, whatever the gig is, it doesn't matter. You're, you're playing, playing music. music. Right. You're playing music. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of what I came around to with this theater thing. Right. I was kind of in a bad headspace about it last week. And there's listen, I could tell you stories about what what's gone on this week and it, and I could make it into a horrible thing, but it I've, I've decided this I'm playing music. This could be right. a whole lot worse. In fact, it can't get too much better, right? There's degrees of how much better it could get, but it's pretty much at the top of my list, <laughs> right? You know, it's like, how picky am I going to get? And the answer, you know, me fairly well. The answer is I'm going to be extremely picky, but that, but the reality is it's all good. You know, I get to the play music are in your hand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, some of the time I got to play keyboards, but I'm getting, I'm actually, you know, they, they, these people bamboozled me. Now I sit down at the piano. I can read music again. Like son of a gun. I didn't plan for this. <laughs> hey, bonus. It's, good. it's a bonus. Yeah. No, I was doing something with my son the other day. He's like, are you reading that? I'm like, oh, dang it. Yes. <laughs> He's like, that's pretty awesome. good. I'm like, oh, thanks kiddo. Very awesome. Yeah. No, it's, it, it is, but you just got to let that joy pour out of you. It's in there. You know, we, we have choices in life. And when you're on stage, man, let it be, let it be happy. It is the sanctuary. I feel more comfortable on stage. This sounds weird. I mean, not to anybody listening to this show, I, I wouldn't think, but um, to, to the average non-musician uh, out there, it, it might sound really weird, but I'm more comfortable on stage in front of a crowd than I am in most other places. I just, you know, it's a comfortable place to be. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. I know. Yeah, the, I know you do. Yeah. The, the moments when it's not comfortable, you just totally question like what the hell happened like this. Right. You know, it, it it's that's a weird thing. You know, it's more of those things are when you've been feeling great about music and like everybody, you know, you visualize your gig, how great it's going to go, how people are going to enjoy a certain song. You know, you know where the challenges in your songs are that you got to psych yourself up for, get a little adrenaline going. But it, it's um, 
the hard ones for me, I, I think I was telling you about this. You know, there's one place I got really excited to do a solo acoustic gig and I, you know, worked up a bunch of new material and all this stuff. And I get there. It's not about me. You know, they, they, I, I had a pretty good crowd of people who know me who were there and that was great. But, you know, it ended up really noisy. It was people who just really, I was background music yeah. to what they were doing. That's a, that's an awkward thing. That's hard to get your head. You know, you've prepared, you focus, you visualize, and then you get to an environment and it's not what you thought it would be. That's, that's a little hard to you know, kind of write the ship uh, when it's yeah. not what you thought it would be. No, totally. And, and it's, it's, it, you know, I, I'm, I get myself in the wrong headspace when that happens too. It's like, Oh crap. But you were alone on this gig, right? Yeah. 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 That's see, I've not, I've not experienced that. I've, I've experienced that vibe, but I've always been with at least one other person or usually two other people even doing the acoustic thing. So it's like, you know, we've got each other's backs. Um, You have someone to help pull you through. Yeah. I'll say this, you know, I'm going to do a Dave Hamilton here. It's a great exercise in musical professionalism, focusing, understanding the environment is what it is. What can you do to make the best of it? You know, I don't, you don't sit there and kind of, kind of, you know, stew, you know, how do you get through a gig like that? Probably not a bad topic for another show, but uh, you know, this was like, all right, it is what it is. Pulled out, you know, kind of your best likely material. Yep knowing that you can actually take a couple of risks because, you know, people aren't scrutinizing it that closely. That's, that's true. You know, yeah. So, you know, it's all a learning experience. All well, part see, that's of the it. Journey. You are, you already made it positive, right? You're like, Hey, but it's nope. such a bummer when you're, when it first starts. Absolutely. Though, you're so psyched. Like, like I said, I, every time we have a gig, I run through the gig in my head. Oh, it's going to be awesome. They're going to love this. I can't wait to show them that. I can't wait till we do this. I can't wait till you get that look from your bandmates on stage. When this happens, you you play these things through your mind when you're getting ready for a gig. Totally. And when it's not quite that it's uh, it takes a while to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you, you talked about, you said, you know, the vibe was that people were, ch- were chit chatting and this that, and the other thing. I saw this, I used to go see this jazz um, guitar player and I'd seen him, his name was Joe Beck and I, I had seen him play with other people and, and I've also seen him play acoustic, or not acoustic, but, you know, electric, but solo, just doing his, you know, his thing. And he's an amazing player, great studio guy. And, uh, well, I just realized he just passed away. Well, not just, uh, I was looking him up. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Um, he wasn't that old either. He was born in 45. Um killer player and such great hands. And so I remember going to see him once and it was just him playing. And, uh, I was there with, I think I was there with Lisa and we were watching him play. And, but it was that kind of vibe where people were chit chatting and chit chatting and, you know, it was really loud. And I could tell he was getting somewhat frustrated just, you know, because nobody was paying attention to him, but he's a pretty seasoned cat, you know? And what I watched him do is I, I saw him look around and you could see this little twinkle in his eye. It was like, Oh, oh what's he doing? You know? And he reaches over to his amp before he starts one tune and he turns it down a little bit and he plays. And then at the end of that tune, he reaches over to his amp and he turns it down a little bit more and then he plays. And then at the end of that tune, he turns it down and he got his amp so quiet that everybody in the place stopped talking. And he knew that if he dragged the ambient volume down far enough, people would be so uncomfortable to even speak and make noise that they would wind up paying attention to him. It's brilliant. I know. <laughs> I know. And I, I, I kind of saw it start to happen. Like, what the heck is he doing? Then I'm like, oh, I know exactly what he's doing. This is, but that, I mean, that takes stones, man. <laughs> Stone, well, seasoned. Seasoned. Right? That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Those guys are awesome. Yeah. I want to be one of those guys. I know. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so I, I want to I want to uh, circle back a little bit. Um, you know, when we were talking, you were asking me about the best cover band. You were you were talking about how you play and, and you did this gig where, you know, the, the transition happens. Um, at, in those moments or even at any gig, do you uh, encourage people? Do you have a way for people to sign up on some sort of email list or something like that where, you know, you can reach out to these people again so that they can find you or do you leave it up to, or so that you can find them or do you leave it up to them to, to hopefully think and look you up? So the marketing talk, you want to have the marketing talk, huh? Well, do you want to have that? I mean, is it, we've, we've been here 32 minutes, but I, I, I wanted to talk about the mailing list specifically and just, are yeah. you, are you doing that? I don't know. I have so many thoughts on this because I do it, I think better than most, but not nearly as well as I know it needs to be done. So maybe that's next I, week's topic. Could be. I mean, okay. and I'll, I'll start it here. Yeah. But okay. It's, it is. There's a, there's a lot to talk about. So you actually gave me the best piece of advice about what a cover band can do to, to draw an audience and that concept about working the crowd on your set breaks and getting out there and meeting people. And that, that has been the most valuable piece of, of, of fan base acquiring advice I've ever gotten that face to face. Hi, I'm Paul. Thanks for coming. That stuff has been incredibly valuable. It's exhausting to do. Sometimes it breaks. You need it. You know, you can't be on and be right. Mr. Social, but it is, if, if you put it in the context of this is your job, the job <laughs> is not just playing the notes. Right. It's, there's a lot of stuff before. There's a lot of stuff during, there's a lot of stuff in between and a lot of stuff after. So there's that. We do quite a bit through Facebook. We have a pretty good, we have right. like 1500 Facebook fans, which I think is pretty good. That's really good. It hasn't been growing a whole lot lately and we've been playing a lot of big shows and so it doesn't grow as much. So, so we have a good covering of the music knowledgeable people in, in the area and the, the live music loving people in my area, you know, are, we've got a good critical mass of them and then some, and remember I have 10 guys contributing That's true. their personal sure. payment. So that, that'll multiply that a little bit, a little bit, but you know that not everybody does the same level of encouragement to their friends and family. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, that, which is a whole nother conversation. Whole other conversation. Yeah. We'll yeah. put that one aside for a I just wanted to acknowledge it. We don't need to go down that road, <laughs> but it, it's there. We just passed it. Yeah. <laughs> so I used to be okay about making announcements from the stage. Um, but the things that should be done, someone should be walking the crowd with a clipboard during the show. Um, we should have a merch table, but we don't have anyone to man a merch table these days and a place for people to, you know, write their name down on a clipboard. There are so many more things we could be doing to be so more, so much proactive. It is truly a great topic. Very, very important because if you control your audience, you control your destiny, right? If you can, if you can bring an audience somewhere, you know, you can demand the door and, and have some confidence. It's going to be worth it for you to do that, you know, to take all the door yeah. Uh, or you'll go somewhere else. Right. You know, I'm going to bring you Mr. Bar owner. I'm going to bring you 150, 250 beer drinkers tonight, but here's the deal, you know, and I'm guessing my 250 is about 200 more than anybody else will bring in. You know, let's talk. It, it is, it is so freaking important. Facebook is reaching a, a challenging, um, point of noise level, right? So the, the, the Facebook invite thing 
Not as good as it used to be. Not as good as it used to, because there's a million of them at any one time. You know, you've trained certain people to look for yours or to check your page or that type of stuff. But it's not um, once you've gotten beyond your maybe first two concentric circles of people who know you intimately, people who like you and will follow you casually. Once you want to get to that third circle of people who are just kind of music fans looking for something to do, but don't necessarily know about you. uh, Facebook isn't real great for that unless you're willing to put out some money and I'm not sure if the return will be there if you put out some money. Hmm. So um, we're good at it, but we should be excellent at it, which I will own the fact that our band is not excellent at it. Um, We've got about 1700 names on a mail list. We've got 1500 people on a Facebook list. I think that's probably more than most, but I know I have a 10 piece band. I play gigs for, you know, for four months of the year, that are easily averaging 800 to 2000 to 3000 people. We should have way more names and way more Facebook names, but certain 800, amount of laziness. 800, 800 people that are there, not necessarily just to see you. Right. Not that you drew to that, to that. event, uh, Right. Well, um, so we play not just the festivals where people are casually walking. Right. By, but we play a lot of these civic concert series, which yep. are, like I said, they're there to see us. It is a concert, right? Yeah, they're, right. They're focused on us. If I had my act together, we would be leaps and bounds farther than where we are. Mia culpa. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's hard work, but you know, it has to be done. And the payoff is so great. If you just take care of your business and the payoff is multifold, right? You, you, this is often where the referrals for, you know, good paying private gigs come from. Totally. Right. Just playing the numbers, right? Just more people who know you, the more likeliness you'll get referred. That's right. So that's where I'll stop for here is that I'm not bad at it. I'm probably better than most, but not nearly as good as I should be. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would like to talk more, you know, kind of specifically about about what you're doing. It's funny. I, and I do remember giving you that advice. And and like you, you know, I have followed my own advice in that regard at times. And then, you know, you get kind of uh, complacent about it because you finished the, the set and you're like, I just, I came out to have fun with my buddies. And so now I want to sit and talk to my buddies about how great we just played, (laughs) you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's also about the equal distribution of work. I mean, everybody in the band should be doing it or real. That really feels unfair when you're the only one doing it. But, you know, but realistically you, 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 it's, it's unrealistic to expect everyone to do the same amount of promotion work. Uh, it it doesn't happen, but it always feels like an inequity in effort of it. Well, it feels like an inequity because it is. <laughs> well, seriously. Right. I mean, it it, yeah. it is. But you if and, and I think that's where a lot of band I've you know, I've played in several bands throughout the course of, of, of my musical uh, career. And and I can attribute the demise of any band that I've been in for the most part to that right you know you you hit that point you're, you're excited you're, you're pushing real hard and it's like man how come nobody else is pushing and sometimes i've been the guy that's not pushing right i mean it's it you know it moves around it depends on how the band started and that sort of thing but it's always that one guy's pushing and burns out and nobody's there to pick up the slack yeah. um and and that's when it just sort of fizzles or or totally implodes because, you know, there's some big blow up or whatever. Those are less and less likely as we as we get older and wiser and, and you know, slightly less testosterone running through the veins. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it, it's still there. 
you know, that that's the killer. Uh, what about you? What do you do for marketing? Um, we do a mailing list. We should be signing more people up at gigs. We should be putting more effort into it. Uh, the mailing list for us is, is the big one um, for that. We do have Facebook and Facebook, you know, it, it works. It actually works better than I would have expected. Uh, but we could have more, uh, you know, but that's basically what we do. And, and a lot of word of mouth, you know, we have what I, what really kind of invigorates me is when we do a little bit of promotion and there's, there's at least two of us in the band, uh, myself and, and our guitar player, Russ, who really kind of keep each other fueled up and, and going right. You know, if I slack off a little bit, I'll notice, Oh, he's out there pushing things. Okay. You know, I'll step it up. And, and I, I, I think probably it happens the other way sometimes too. But um, what really gets me going is when I see other people local, you know, in our, in our area, take one of our gigs and share it to their friends. You know, mm. it's like, Oh, you should go see this. It's like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. You know, I got to take care of that person at the next gig and go say hi to them. You don't need to buy them a drink even just make sure they, you know, you give them some love and you thank them for doing it. You know, yeah, sincerity. You know, yeah. It, it is a little counter to um, what you think is common sense, but um, uh, having a, a strong musical community where, where musicians support each other that pays off. It's not the, the, the intuitive thing is, well, we're all competing for, the same gig. So, you know, I have to win the other person has to lose for me to win. Right. It's actually, it's, that's not the way it is. It's like, if you create a scene where, where musicians are supporting each other, this filters down to a fan base. It says, man, I live in such a great town where all these great musicians are out there. I can go on any night. I can see though, like I, they help me discover other musicians. They sit in with other musicians. Your, your fan base actually, begins to feel like they're a part of the scene, right. which is a very rewarding. And that creates some really deep loyalty too. That's really it cool. Yeah. It, it's hard to do right. I mean, it, you know, it's not, it, 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 you're right though. It's totally the way to do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fun stuff, man. Do we have anything yeah. else to, uh, to talk about here today? I, I, I know we were going to get, place. In, we were going to get into the management of uh, a oh, band, yeah. but you know, it's uh, here we are. We had some gigs and they, they let us down a different path. So that's, that's okay. That's cool. It is cool. Yeah. All right. So next week, next week until then, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, feedback at giggabpodcast.com is the email address that, uh, that you can send all your comments, questions, any topics you want to cover, anything, anything, just send it in. Tell us you listened. Do that, please. We'd love to hear from you. We're new. Love to hear. We're new at this. You know. Let us know you're out there. Yeah. That's what we, that's what we like to know. And let me, let us know, um, one thing, what's your favorite cover song to play or your favorite song to play? It can even be one of yours and we don't care. Just let us know and we'll read it back here on the show. Yeah, that's a good idea. Awesome. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. Good night.